Welcome back to part two of episode three. We hope you listened to part one. Um, I'm here with Carrie and Selena, and we're going to continue to talk about Selena's story. Yes. Okay, so last week we touched base a little bit about Selena, her family, how they got into foster care, how she ended up adopting her first son, but there's more to the story because they actually ended up adopting another little boy. So if you guys remember, she had two little girls, and then they adopted Luke, and then will you share Elijah's story with us? When did he come to you guys? So we got Elijah in 2019. He was three weeks old. Uh, We got him from the NICU. Two different experiences in the NICU, too, because Luke was at Cook's Children's. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever been to Cook's Children's, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, just the place you want to be all the time. I mean, I could live there. Yeah. And then... Elijah was at JPS, which is John Peter Smith, um, our county hospital. It's a great hospital, uh, just very different experiences. Yeah. Um, Elijah was born in de- uh, respiratory distress, so he was also drug exposed. Um, he had everything going on, but everybody was mostly concerned about his respiratory issues. Let's see, he was also five pounds. So he was tiny, tiny too. Um, he just had a lot of hair. That was the only difference. <laughs> oh gosh, I remember that. The first picture was, "Wow, that's a lot of hair." That's a lot of hair. Yes. <laughs> How long did was he in the NICU there? Did they have? Yes, okay. he was in the NICU there for three weeks. Uh, the night we went to pick him up, they said they did not have the sign off yet from the doctor. So in where he was set up in their NICU, you can't stay overnight. So we met him, and then we had to go back the next morning to get him. And then... And hold on, when you met Elijah, did you approach his case? It was like, this is another foster placement. Did you have any other foster kids at that time, or was it just the three? We had had other foster kids at the time. Mm -hmm. So we were just planning to foster as well. Um, Again, we weren't... I feel like I remember you guys had a full house. Yes. Yeah, he was our number six kid. Uh-huh. So we had six kids at that time. Oh, yeah. Um, which is crazy. Some people to think are like, about. what? Six yeah, kids? I know. Six kids. I, I, which is the limit for you guys, right? Yes. So yep. two parents, you can have six kids in the household, including biological kids. Correct. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, we had a full house, and he had not had any access to his. Um, biological family I shouldn't say he should he didn't have access they left the hospital and never came and saw him uh, they, after she delivered after she delivered um, so she delivered at JPS and, and Elijah left. stayed there yes okay and then he did have he has eight other siblings that are some are older some are in their 20s um, but he did have other family members that they were trying to get him placed with but because of medical issues or just their circumstances it just didn't pan out so that's how we ended up with him um yeah that was once he came to you was there once he came home was there any like parent involvement was there any family like what did that look like so at the beginning we did not have any biological uh contact Um, to any of the family so at that point because the parents kind of had disappeared they were trying to find them uh, they were trying to see if they were going to place them with these other family members still 
there was just a lot like of chaos it felt like of who are we trying to figure out who this is um at at one point even elijah was named as is it baby moses mm-hmm. because he didn't have a name uh, is what they originally told us and then oh that's right yeah, yeah so he do y'all want to talk about baby moses law Sorry, Why not? I totally yeah. just went in yeah to yeah <laughs> <laughs> tangent maybe uh so it's baby. few and far between yeah and you tell, say what you know and then you alexis can, maybe you can dash in on i've had one yeah, baby moses one yeah that, actually i think that's all do you, i've ever seen do you well. want to start because i don't know a whole lot about baby moses i just know that because of elijah's experience um it was treated very differently uh than every other want to be that quoted we we're probably gonna have to look <laughs> into this a little bit more but baby moses is basically Abandoned. Ab- abandoned. Yeah. At the hospital. So nope. they have no name. Or well, any, I guess anywhere. anywhere. Yeah. So they have no name. They have no family. It's like they just, they are just a baby. They're a baby Moses. They know nothing Looking about for them. a home. Right. Yeah. We, the only case that we've been made aware of was that one time at our previous provider. Right. Remember we got a call and it was literally baby Moses case. And we were like, what? I got the call. He was at Cook's. And they're like, we need a home. And I said, I have the perfect home for him. And they got to go and get his his footprints, his handprints. They got to name him. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of just a waiting period until he's adopted. But it was a really cool experience. And it was like an expedited experience because I think I think the bio mom, um, even like initially, once they found her, I think So the bio raised. mom had the baby and then didn't even want the baby to be in the ambulance with her. He was born at home. And she was like, I can't take care of him. I don't want him. I want nothing to do with him. So he was in a separate ambulance. And then he was in the NICU until they could find a home for him. Yeah. I would love to have that family on specifically. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, that is, so baby Moses is basically just abandonment. They don't, you know, and you see all those signs of safe place, the fire, the firehouses. And so if you have a baby, you can leave the baby. And ultimately, if you did that, that would be, that's considered a baby Moses case. So because his parents, le- Elijah's parents, left the hospital, um, that you know, and they did- didn't fill out the birth certificate information. They right. didn't do any of that, so that's why they named it a baby Moses. Yeah, identity case. unknown, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, as we found out later, they ended up doing filling out everything they needed to right. <laughs> in a different situation. But yeah. uh, man, so that's we didn't have any access to anyone the first time that we spoke to a biological family member was about he was about three months old Mm -hmm. and he was actually in the icu he had gone to the icu twice in the first four months that we had him um for respiratory issues so stressful uh well it's crazy because he just had a cold Mm -hmm. and you think oh it's a cold no big deal and we were in the icu for seven days with both of them um full uh oxygen you know Mm -hmm. and it just like okay is he gonna survive are we you know where are we so that was a very interesting experience he was my first kid and let's see he was our 16th foster Mm -hmm. and two bio kids he was my first kid that i got to ride an ambulance with my first kid that i got to stay in the icu with uh i had a lot of first with him so do we think um, the respiratory issues is that I mean, have they said, like, is that because of the drug exposure? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And he was eight weeks premature. 
So mm-hmm. that didn't it. help it. Yeah. 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 So, but a large part of um, all of his issues, because he, I'll touch on more of his issues later. Mm-hmm. All of his issues come from um, the drug exposure. Yeah. Right. So did you, I mean, you guys had him at home and then there was not much biological, but then you said that he did have some family like involved in his case at some yes. point, right? So paternal side of the family was very involved. Wanted, they were the ones that had really taken in most of the other children. Mm-hmm. So we talked to them pretty often. Uh, visits would happen with grandma and his paternal aunt as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... A conversation started happening about a kinship placement which is fine again if they were appropriate um there was something that didn't sit well with me about them i wasn't sure what it was i couldn't put my finger on it we did the things that we had always done with kinship placement this is something that we also did was we would exchange numbers and mm-hmm. meet for dinner yeah. so we could discuss everything under the sun about these children before the before kinship yes before they moved to this placement um but something was just off and cps did not want elijah moved his ad litem did not want elijah moved and we went to court elijah was in the hospital at the time we went to court and they had everybody testify of why they should be there why not I mean, I went up and testified at one point about his medical concerns Mm -hmm. and the judge decided that he would move to the kinship placement. So the judge basically overrode, which they can do, regardless of if an ad litem or the department, anybody, whatever they recommend, the judge ultimately can make a final say. And so in this case, he, well, she, She. um, ruled that he should move to that kinship, right? Yes. Yes. So when did he, he moved when he was how old? He was four and a half months and was there for six weeks. And then what happened? (laughs) (laughs) And then the dramatic story happened. Well, first, okay, after it was ruled, I remember you called and and very upset um, just because something in your gut. And we've been talking a lot about if you have certain feelings, stand your ground, go with your gut, especially in this world. But not only your feelings, the feelings of the entire team. Yes. Right. We're not yes. listened to at all. Not at all. Which is happens occasionally. And even a doc and a couple doctors, because I begged every doctor to write a statement saying that Elijah should not move our home. Yeah. And because they had met the couple as well. So uh, there were a couple doctors that actually wrote letters to the judge recommending him not to move homes because of his um, medical issues yeah primarily not because it was if it's again if it's a kinship and it's appropriate we would 100 percent support and advocate for that but our opinion i think collectively it was just that this is probably not the best situation specifically because he was so medically not fragile but kind of yes at that point especially as a young baby prematurity and then the respiratory distress issues so regardless it was overruled he was going to move what were y- your entire family's feelings when he left we were Wait. all <laughs> <laughs> how from the time that the judge said okay he's going to be reunified with this kinship family how long did you guys have when did he go into that home we had two weeks two weeks okay. and most of that time he was in the icu mm. so most of our kid like our kids had no access to him um our oldest was actually at summer camp when we found out 
okay. that that he was leaving. And I, the only thing I requested was a goodbye. Like we need to all as a family be able to say goodbye to him. Didn't y'all say goodbye at the hospital? There's we a, did. Yeah. I am just thinking getting a visual of the picture at the hospital with all you guys hugging him. Yeah. So oh. devastating. Right. <laughs> so we were, it was, we were all destroyed. Izzy came home the day before the last, you know, right. our last day with him. And he, of course he was still in the hospital. He was on the observation floor at that time. And Izzy walked when she got home, I said, just so you know, tomorrow Elijah's going to be placed in a different home and she lost it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I was just like, we, we have to have a moment to say goodbye to mm-hmm. him. And the nurses were not the nicest about it at Cook's because obviously Towards you. To, yes. Because okay. they didn't want all of us in the room because he was sick and he just got out right. of the ICU, which I, I can see their point. Yeah. But please just let my kids come say goodbye mm-hmm. to this little boy yeah. you know, that has been in the household right. for the last four months and they're pretty connected with. Um, so I spoke to the social worker and the social worker was like, yes, bring your family. And um, the, the kinship worker at Cook's are fire. Oh, I mean, Sorry, yes. just shout out in case you hear this. <laughs> I know, right? They're, they are truly amazing. Yes. Um, and then we we were able to go in for about an hour and just sat with him and we all held him and kind of said our goodbyes and prayed over him and did all the things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was, it was a really sweet moment for us, but we were all destroyed, completely destroyed. Yeah. Uh, to the point where I left his crib up, every, nothing moved from his room for five weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we I went to a friend's wedding in Colorado over Labor Day weekend. Mm-hmm. And we got home on Labor Day, and I said, okay, I guess it's time to take his crib down. Yeah. You know, put his clothes away, you know, do all the things. Ugh. And and did you still have contact with that kinship option, or kind of was that bridge burned because you guys were really advocating that you didn't think it was So we, we gave them the option, but we were never contacted again. Yeah, it's probably hard because everyone's advocating for him not to go not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not because... I don't know if you like them or not. It doesn't matter. But everyone was advocating for him to stay where he was because he was thriving. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That probably feels a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And so, it, and if you're struggling, mm-hmm. then you're going to reach out to this family that everyone wanted you to stay with. It, you know. It. Right. Yeah. I see the why they wouldn't have contacted us. Yeah. So. Okay. So then he goes with them. It's been five weeks. And then... What happens next? So as I was saying, I finally decided. And that's, I was like, well, you know, I kept praying about it because I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, he's going to come back. Like, I just had that feeling he's going to be back with us. Mm -hmm. And at five weeks, I was like, okay, God, this is on you. I'll go ahead, take his his crib down, put his clothes away, did all the things. That weekend, (laughs) (laughs) we got a phone call. We got about 20 jillion phone calls, in yeah. fact, because of our craziness. Okay, let's just preface this. It's in the middle of the night. It's late at night. Late. Yes. I was working the end, like I was receiving intake calls for the agency that I worked for. And I remember I got a late night call and I had created some really good relationships with the workers. And so thank God I answered. And she basically just said, you know, I think one of your families re- recently had this kiddo. Uh, he needs to come back. And I'm like, uh, would they be willing to take him? Would they be willing to take him? 
And I think I was part of that because you you guys weren't answering because you were sleeping. Right. And Carrie goes, we need to find a home for him to stay in until he can go into your home. And I'm like, I'm on it. Yeah, because so we were trying whoever. to kind of trip the system. We Typically, when you get a, a phone call, they don't want to put him in like a temporary. I th- you know, I think a lot of people talk about a temporary home. That is very situational. It right. does occur, but that's for like and you have very limited time once you get that phone call they're also calling you know 15 other other agencies especially at night so they would want the kid to go back to the home he was originally in but if you're not answering or if you say no there's so many other homes that he could go to but we knew that you guys wanted him back so we were scrambling to figure out and my fear was him. yeah my fear was if we didn't place him that night if we didn't capitalize on this then we already had lost a little bit of trust in the system or judge ordering him you know because they had just ordered him to this placement and we didn't know why he was coming it was all just a cluster why was he coming back in care what happened is he okay all we knew was he was at the hospital and he needed a placement when he, I mean, we knew that he had the respiratory stuff, but I'm yes. like, why? What? And and I think I remember reading the common app, and it said something about his skull or, or his a head injury or something like that. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh god. I, I mean, my initial gut reaction was, I need to tell his mom, and mom being you. So I call Selena, no answer. I call Joe, no answer. <laughs> if I had Izzy's number, I probably would have called her. But I, so you guys, I mean oddly enough, did not live far from me. And because I had done home visits, I knew where you lived. But I had looped in Alexis, Mm -hmm. and we were trying to find, just in case, if we need a temporary home, did we have another option within our agency? Mm -hmm. And I think we had like come up with that, but intake was still, they really wanted him back with y'all too. So, But one of us had the idea to go to your home (laughs) and knock on all your windows to wake you up. Yeah, we fast, weren't going to miss out on him. No, well, fast forward. Yeah, I don't even know how long it took, but we I think we had like four hours to get it figured out, and we literally got in the car. I, I had Chandler at the time. Yeah, because yep. Elijah was He was born. little. He yep. was little. And Load I, that baby up, and we'll go knock on the windows. No, girl. He, was, he stayed at home in his bed with his dad, <laughs> but he was still waking up frequently at night. And yes. I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, first-time mom. But I, it just – I mean, I love my little boy to death, but it didn't matter because there was another little boy that needed to go home. And yes. so – we go to was i i think i was knocking yes so this was kind of hilarious because you also called two of our other good friends yeah and trying like hey (laughs) can you can you please try and get a hold of selena and joe like we're foster parents yes exactly and so can you try and get a hold of selena and joe and then rachel Mm -hmm. so rachel came over to right behind carrie Mm -hmm. but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what was crazy was I woke up just randomly to, you know, get up and get a drink of water Yeah, or not randomly, that's God. Yes, that was right. a thousand percent God. <laughs> mm-hmm. I look at my phone and I had 27 missed calls <laughs> and 32 text messages. Uh-huh. And as I'm opening my phone to look at it, the text message I got was from Alexis and it said, Carrie's at your front door. <laughs> So I had no idea what was going on. I was like, what is happening? Yeah. Like, did somebody run away? Because we had one of our kids that was in our care, was old She's enough. in the rooms. Like, yes, like I'm out. like, what is going on? Yeah. What has happened? And then I was like, it's Elijah. Like, I knew uh-huh. before I... So I get to the front door, open the door, 
And I, I think I asked you, is he alive? Uh-huh. That was the first words out of my mouth was, is he alive? Because I thought that she was going to tell me he died. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> that was, and then she came in, Rachel came in, and you just told me he was at the hospital. And, and I think I literally, I think I was, this is not, do not do this. But <laughs> I think I had actually pretty much told the intake worker, yep, they'll take him. Like I and yeah, not not a great idea. But this had been a conversation previously. Oh yes, yeah. Like yes. if he comes into care, I want him. Yes. That's why we were trying so hard. And I had phone calls from his actual caseworker. I had phone calls from his adlidum. So they all right. were. It's not like we were like, like, oh, you're gonna take him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had there was conversations before yes. this. Yes. I had I had yeah good intentions and I think I knew that that was if it was an option absolutely that's why his bed was stayed up for five weeks yes <laughs> so then we we basically told the intake worker yes we get access to what's going on and and I think Rachel and you went to the hospital immediately yes because as soon as you said that I said okay I went in the bedroom and I said I told Joe I said hey I'm going to get Elijah <laughs> and I just left <laughs> like I didn't even say anything else he's like, probably half asleep well halfway so Rachel rides with me to the hospital and halfway there he calls me and he goes did I dream that (laughs) or what is going on and I said no you didn't dream we I'm in the car with Rachel right now headed to Cook's to get Elijah Uh and he was like this is not real and I was like that's how I feel right now Um, so Elijah ended up uh, being taken to Cook's because he had two skull fractures um, they had only found one at that time. And then six weeks later, when they re-imaged, mm-hmm. they found the second one that was mm-hmm. being, it was healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a giant hematoma on the right side of his head, I believe. And that hematoma was so big that they, that's how the doctors knew mm-hmm. that something had happened and they imaged without. Did they ever get the story as to what happened? No. 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 So it was ultimately looked into while he was placed with you, and Mm -hmm. that was deemed not a great place. So that took them off the table. Right. And then he came back, was officially placed with you guys, and came out and wrote out the rest of his case there, right? Yes. Um, During that time, his paternal aunt and I, one of them, um, got pretty close. Mm -hmm. She has one of his sisters and um you know our plan she adopted him during the time that we still had uh oh she adopted the sister she adopted the sister um during this time and she she fought us for a little bit she wanted elijah and Mm. um you know i just told her i said this is we really believe that this is where he's supposed supposed to be be and and that he's our son and um I want him to have a relationship with y'all and I want him to have, you know, know his siblings. I want him to have that access, um, you know, and now COVID kind of put a damper on a lot of things because we weren't able, because he was so sickly, Mm -hmm. we weren't able to get him out around people. Uh, So now, like we still talk to her, not as frequently as we'd like to, Mm -hmm. but I'm hoping as he gets older that we can kind of bring him back together. Right. Yeah. So do you think her reservation, do you think that that was primarily just because she didn't know you? Like, could she trust you? Like, she, yeah. did she want to take him because it was that she had the ability and was like, yes, let's do this? Or do you think it was because she just felt the responsibility that that was her kin and 
No, she was just it was her responsibility. Yeah. So then it just took a matter of time for her to really trust you guys and know he is where he's supposed to be. We'll continue to, we'll just right. be a bigger family, basically. Yes. And that's what we've always said is we're, we're all family now. I mean, mm-hmm. we're not, uh, when we talk about it, you know, that's Tia Alicia. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, he knows all about her and, um, and her, his sister. Uh, there's twins and an older brother that he's met. Hmm. has not seen them in a while but has met and so there's all the all the people we're trying to keep together and hoping to get them together more and more as they get older yeah because unlike luke's story right elijah has a little bit more of that biological piece at his yes at his i mean not discretion what am i trying to say just kind of at his arm's length like it's Mm -hmm. there that you guys couldn't can nurture and unfortunately for luke that's just not really something that he's he has access to Mm -hmm. yeah wow that one was a good one. I and mean, well, so, and then going back to his actual case too, uh, with Luke, we were done in, within 12 months. Mm-hmm. Elijah's right. went out. He was, it was I'm going to say his adoption didn't go through until he was two and a half. Yeah, he was over two. Yeah. So parents showed up in and out, acted like they were going to do services. Um, yeah, and they had some visits here and there. Yes. Not great or appropriate visitation, but they, they kind of just kept stringing everything along, which I think sometimes can happen. And I, I think I explained this um, on the second episode just about the process, but with visitation and you see kids that are in care for, you, you have that sign, it's I've been adopted after 800 days in foster care. And you do the math on that and it's you know however many years, that's because 12 months, 18 months, sometimes it's just not that cut and dry. Right. You know, if parents show up at the 11th hour, they legally can, are entitled to more time to try and prove themselves. And, and we want to give them that right. time because before you term, terminating someone's rights is, is a big deal. And so I think they were trying to give every, every chance, you know, yes, for, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what is the status of your, of your family, I guess your license status at this point? So we are completely closed. Okay. Um, it's, I, I mourn it sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do enjoy not having caseworkers and CASAs and people coming in, in and, and out of my house mm-hmm. constantly. Um, I can just be, yeah. you know, I can just raise my kids. Uh, Why or, did y'all close? Because Izzy's getting older and we mm-hmm. only had a couple more years. So she's officially a senior this mm-hmm. year. And we wanted to really dedicate some time to focusing in on her last year before Mm -hmm. she goes off to college and um focus in and we didn't and luke was starting school Mm -hmm. we didn't know what if what to expect what that would look like for him so we really wanted to focus in on those two kids specifically so that we knew what was going on and elijah has a lot of other medical issues um he just recently had surgery to take his adenoids and um, tonsils out and Mm -hmm. get tubes his second set of tubes he just has a lot of other underlying things with asthma and right. um, just takes a lot more time. Yeah. So we just really kind of felt like this was the time we needed to focus in on our four, mm-hmm. get our, our ground beneath us and, mm-hmm. and so we could really do them, serve them well. Yeah. Um, another thing, just my shameless plug here, I, I am now the treasurer of Respite Ranch and Joe is a board member. So if you are a foster or adoptive mom, yeah, 
reach out. Find them on Facebook, Instagram, the website. Respite Ranch, Texas. So Respite Ranch provides respite for foster and adoptive parents. We do not offer anything for the children. So it's come out for a retreat on a weekend and just be around other foster foster and adoptive parents. I love that. Um, Where's it located? So currently we don't have land. So we kind of just hop around um, different retreat spots spots and Mm -hmm. um, take advantage of what they have to offer. Yeah. So, and if you're looking to support a foster parent, you can donate to us as well because all the retreats are free. So if you come out to a retreat, it's 100% paid for. That's so cool. All your meals, your board. Um, I mean, you don't pay for anything at all. So they primarily would have to make sure that their children are taken care of or in rest of themselves. And then they go as like a couple for like this. Or individually. As So far, we've only done um, foster parents foster moms oh, okay or That's an adoptive really cool. moms but yeah and then they just spend time however they want either together talking yes. just sleep <laughs> yes <laughs> so we've we've done um we've had two retreats so far it's, so it's pretty new but one was like the itinerary was really like built out like this mm-hmm. is what we're doing now and now and now um and people can come if they want or they don't have to yeah. um, enjoy the properties that right. we're on because they're kind of like segregated and. Oh, so just because you come doesn't mean you have to be a, a participant in, on all the itinerary no. things. This mm-hmm. is not like camp where you better show up. You at better show class. up. Yeah. No, you just probably <laughs> want to show up for food. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Meal time is where it's at. Okay. Yes, exactly. That's awesome. So, that is really cool. So just a different season of our life, and um, we enjoy serving. Yeah. people and serving things that we didn't necessarily have available to us right um you know self-care is probably the one thing that foster parents don't do well mm-hmm. so yeah and that's parents one, in general yeah yeah. Kidding. yeah that's one thing that i had touched on too is just that respite option that people even if you can't be a foster parent if you don't see yourself as a, an adoptive parent you can still help by if you're willing to get a background check, a fingerprint, and get some, you know, those trainings mm-hmm. and take care of a child, because where all of us now can call, you know, each other or our neighbors to take care of our kids, foster parents can't do that. It has to be, you have to be cleared. You have to find, and some people just don't want to go through those. Put hoops. the effort into right. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so some agencies, I know that ours specifically, we always wanted our families, if you came to us, you had to have a support person on file. One person, though, can't you know sustain you all the time and then you know other agencies that i've kind of worked with don't necessarily require that and i think is interesting because you need support and you need time off you know just like all of, i mean i would you know just like me and my husband we need a time away we need a date night we need i love my kids but bye. well yeah like, you have to you, you can't be everything for everyone all the time yeah 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 i love that that's i don't i think i knew that you were doing that but i never really understood what it was so yeah it's our hope is to get land so we're asking right now for donors to yeah. um either support us monetarily or or donate land mm-hmm. um so that we can build on it and uh our president will will live there with her family mm-hmm. and then we'll build cabins and that's so where cool. we can have so cool people there whenever and um you know, the sky's the limit of what we can provide for parents when they right. come and just a little bit of relaxation. Yeah. You know, <laughs> just yeah, unplug. Really cool. And even if, so if people are interested <clears throat> in that, I mean, obviously you can reach out to us. We can get you in touch with Selena. Um, 
but yeah, I think that's a great, we'll maybe add the link. Do you have a website? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We can add the website to maybe the description. So it'll be in the, in the body, in the description of what this episode entails, but that's, Shameless plug. I'm here for that. I love it. That was <laughs> love great. A good plug. So, okay. Your, your family's currently closed. Um, I, I think you guys are still kind of in a support, um, position with other foster families that you guys still have contact with. So you guys are yes. willing to do babysitting and respite and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. What about, um, what is your advice to families that may be in the first steps on the fence about wanting to go through this process? What are, what's your advice on that? The biggest thing I like you need to know all the time is why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Because if you lose sight of that, you're going to be angry, you're going to be emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are two things that you can't have mixed with this situation at all. Mm-hmm. Um, emotions are crazy. Mm-hmm. So you are literally on a roller coaster 24 7. That's, you know, I always say, most of most of your life you're on a roller coaster you know every couple weeks maybe you know Mm -hmm. okay if i'm having a really stressful day or a couple days i'm on a little bit of a roller coaster but everything typically levels back out Mm -hmm. in foster care your emotions can go up and down within minutes of each other all day long right (laughs) yes so no understanding how to put your emotions in check is a big one and if you know your why behind it I think that's what helps you um if you don't know your why and you're only getting into it you know for selfish reasons maybe that's not the best thing to do yeah um because it's at the end of the day it's not about any of us it's the kids right um that you're serving what about that preconceived notion I think uh I would I think it's important that you as someone who's experienced I think a lot of people talk about there's so many people that are doing it for the money and and you at one point had six kids and i'm sure that you know reimbursement for six kids can add up but if you're caring for those kids the way that they're supposed to be cared for is is there really that that whole what is that a a, a notion that you can actually make money doing this is that no (laughs) (laughs) no we never made money uh definitely not our kids every bit of that reimbursement and lots more went towards our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, Joe and I both work a full-time job. We worked a full-time job since we started fostering. Uh, there's no way we could have gone down to one, even one income yeah. at that time because we were caring for children the way they should have been cared for. They had access to extracurricular activities. Mm-hmm. They had access to everything that our biological girls had. Mm-hmm. So that that's what i think sometimes people lose sight of is we want to give them the same experiences our bio kids had Mm -hmm. and if we if we went down to one income then they wouldn't have access to that um so the measly what is it 27 dollars a day yeah per kid i think it's it's roughly 27 dollars a day per kid for a basic kid Mm -hmm. yeah Um, and that may have changed i mean it give or take we'll say that and yes yeah there's a yes. pass through from the state that the state will give each agency and then the agency can offer whatever they want to a family but based typically all the providers are on the same page as that because if yeah. i offered 30 dollars a day then everyone would want to come to me right? right um and no i'm not a provider and i'm not that's not right let's just go ahead and clear that up <laughs> um not a provider but if it, most of the providers all 
offer the same rate, the same pass through rate so that it there's, you know, everybody can go wherever they feel comfortable. Right. Uh, would you agree that, I feel like I'm like a lawyer. Would you agree? <laughs> um, you mentioned earlier in the first episode that you guys were getting licensed with a different agency. So if someone is like interested, should they talk to different providers? Because yes. are they all different? Yes. And they, so there's basic like the CPS, CPS policies or Yep, minimum standards. Yes, minimum standards that everybody has to follow. And then every agency out there has their own standards that they expect right. you to follow as well. Yeah. So depending on what agency you're looking at, they may have more strict guidelines mm-hmm. than other ones. Um, so depending on what you're ex- you want and how much you want in your life and mm-hmm. um, if agencies in Texas right now are on heightened monitoring, mm-hmm. um, that affects because people can just randomly show up into your home for yeah. hours and hours. Yeah, and just like daycares, you can actually go online um, yes. to a website at DFPS and you can look up different providers and you can look up what they've, everybody gets monitored annually. And you can see what their citations are. So if they were not doing something correctly or if, you know, there's a danger in a certain home or anything like that, you can look at those. And, you know, if that's important to you, um, you can see what what citations they got or lack thereof. And that can be pretty telling. But I feel like from a personal standpoint, you could probably call, visit with these people and then, you know, hopefully get more background information on what they require. And then personality wise, you've got to try and the try and find the right fit um because that that's going to be your support system too aside from just your family right that's your advocate yeah that's your advocate for when you're feeling a type of way or those are the people that are coming to your house in the middle of the night knocking on the door because they know how important that child is to you so you know that you got to find what provider works best for you right well and with our so piggybacking on that our very first the agency that we were going through all the trainings were with the case manager that we would have had was telling me essentially that i would need to be open to taking any ages mm-hmm. and right, I, you didn't have and a voice I, or that a choice. I, right and i was like no that's not how this works yeah. <laughs> and so that was kind of my big hang up was Thank you, but no thank you. We've done all the training, right? Yeah. but I'm good to back out now. And you're opening your home. Right. And we have to do what's best for our entire family. And so knowing that that's how they felt already, yeah, I was not on board with like it. Like business kind of trumped what your feelings were. Yes. Which yes. I think, excuse me, is kind of, that can, that concept can kind of easily take over for businesses as far as agencies. There's a very fine line between keeping it personal, but also running a successful business. And I think it is so, so important to make sure you're listening to your families Mm -hmm. that are basically doing the work for you, right? We have people go in, case manage, and do all the things. But if you're not listening to these people who are taking the kids and doing the dirty work, um, then you're getting away from what's really important. And you're going to lose foster homes. Right. Yeah, and you're going to look up and, and not have mm-hmm. the foster homes and the good foster families that, yes. you know, are not just being passive and being dominated. You have to stand up for yourself. You have to, because mm-hmm. from a business perspective, I can see where it's like, we really need you to take this teenager therapy because it's a therapeutic 
you know, well, they would never tell you that, but that's probably why. Yeah. I will. I mean, obviously, there is a high need for teenage beds, and I understand that, but not everybody's made for that. No. no. Do we really want, you know, a, if there's a teenager, there's probably a handful of teenagers who, who don't have a ton of behaviors or issues or whatever uh, that might be able to fit in your in your home. But there, there, if there's a teenager that doesn't have a home that is aggressive or cusses and all, that's probably not something you want your kids exposed right. to right now. Mm-hmm. And you should have the, you know, leverage to. But to that's say. where it goes back to getting to know your families and and seeing what their needs are. Mm-hmm. Some families only take teenagers, yeah, and they right. were meant for that. Yes. And some families only take babies, and they were meant for that. Yes. Yeah, like I'm thinking of one specifically. Oh my gosh. Was, yeah, that spent years with the past provider and literally only took teen girls. I, I could never. No. There's but no they way. did it. They are so amazing. <laughs> amazing humans and they did and it so well. And yes. I think one time she told us that she had like over 150 girls call her mom and dad, which sounds bizarre. Wow. To the off, you know, to people who are not in our world. Mm-hmm. But the fact that she connected with that many kids Kids. and girls Mm -hmm. who were hormonal and just all the things that are teenage girls and then in foster care and they I mean she's been in a million weddings she's been in all the things that's so that's Joe's dream I don't know if he's ever shared that with y'all before Mm -hmm. is that when our kids grow up Mm -hmm. that we will just get kids that are going to age out soon yeah and like and maybe that's just mentor them and everything God's got a lot of work to work on because right. I'm not <laughs> I'm not prepared for that. Be at rest so, at ranch. I know that's right? what I said. I was like, nope, because um, Joe. So Joe and I've never been just me and Joe. Yeah. Because we, you know, when we got married, I already had Izzy, that's true. and so I'm like, hey, when our kids are gone, which I will be a parent at that time of a child under the age of 18 mm-hmm. for 33 years. <laughs> just saying. So I'm like, okay. When I hit 56, I want it just to be me and Joe. Right. And go to an all-inclusive resort and <laughs> exactly. lay there. I love, I love doing what we did, and I loved every aspect of it. And, you know, who knows what our future holds. Yeah. Right. But that's why I always joke with him. I'm like, God's got a lot of work here because I'm not seeing that in our future. Yeah. But that's his his dream is to and just And I can see him kids. doing that. That's oh, his yeah. personality. And he... Again, it takes a special heart to try and be to be that person because yes. I don't know that it's any of us at this table, <laughs> and that's okay. And that's and okay. that's okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, any last last bits of encouragement, do's, don'ts, anything that you would like to offer to people? If you're a current foster parent, don't just seek out people that get it because they get it because there's a lot of times that you hear bad advice okay find somebody that maybe isn't even close to you to just chat about life with Mm -hmm. and you don't even have to point it out as a foster thing just as a child just chat about being a parent Mm -hmm. and you'll realize it's not that different i've had a lot of other foster parents tell me things and i'm like why would you tell me that mm-hmm. like that does not encourage me at any in any way mm-hmm. and then I've had my best friends tell me well just just get them out of your house you don't need mm-hmm. to deal with that that's not your problem mm-hmm. so think about somebody that is not going to be too close or too far mm-hmm. yeah um 
it's just kind of nice to hear like this is normal your emotions are going to be all over the place kids are hard it's not what you expect and if you don't have kids prior to being a foster parent don't have expectations for these kids like they are struggling they just want to they just want to be in a home where they're safe and loved right yeah i think my biggest thing is piggybacking off that is just some people come come into our world and you know want to take placement of a sweet cuddly baby or take placement of a school-aged kid that you know will um, pair with their one biological child or something and it's all great in theory and we would love to talk and, and talk through that but we have to remember that foster care kids are not in foster care because everything is rosy right kids are removed and in foster care because of a reason and we may not know the details, the in-depth of, of those reasons, um, but we could we kind of piece that together as it goes. But just understanding that the training is for a reason, the background, the information, all the things are for a reason. And if you are committed to that and helping them through that, because uh, trauma can greatly impact a child, but you know, using your support system, using your network, you know, then you can be successful. Right. But you just can't go into it with you know the hopes of adoption or just things are going to be peachy because they're not sometimes even with my four-year-old it tries me at every turn i've never been a parent before he was my first and i mean i've babysat and done all the things and i've seen all these kids on my caseload right but then i have my own and <clears throat> it's such a learning curve mm-hmm. i can't give him back i can't i mean i don't want to do that but i'm just saying you have to i feel like i've never been a foster parent but i do feel like if you're going to go into it you have to go into it with an understanding that you need to exhaust every resource yep. you know and mm-hmm. if and then if it's like we talked about in the first episode it's not healthy it's not working out or that child is not thriving then you help facilitate and communicate and advocate for them what's best in that next step for them mm-hmm. yes you know? yeah very well said good job yeah thanks. that was awesome that was I really great. like that mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, well, I appreciate you taking a risk by doing this and coming to join us. Um, I know we've only had a couple of episodes, but we just felt like this was a great place to start because you've been with us from the beginning and um, you have a a lot of parental advice, but also just that foster Mm -hmm. aspect. You still kind of have your hands in the mix on giving back. And so thank you. We thank you for your time. Thank y'all for having me. You're welcome. Okay, guys. So hopefully next week uh, we will have some more episodes coming for you. But please make sure to like, follow along, comment. Sometimes we're going to have some polls on our um, podcast. So keep giving us the feedback. Keep sharing with everybody. And hopefully we can spread the word and reach more uh, people. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Bye.